This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Available every day during the Cricket World Cup. This is the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. Gosecker bowls, he smashed it. Smashed it high down the ground for six. Into the seething crowd it goes. Island of one, and bats are being thrown in the air. The Ireland team are running on. The captain has scored the winning run for Sri Lanka, who have won the World Cup for the first time in their history. It's all over. Smith leaps on Watson. Australia have emphatically won their fifth World Cup. Hello and welcome to the TMS podcast from the Hampshire Bowl where we've seen Bangladesh beat Afghanistan by 62 runs to move within a point of England and boost their semi-final prospects. Reaction to their win to come, but we're going to kick off by looking ahead to the big one, England against Australia at Lords. From BBC Radio 5 Live, this is the TMS podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Uh, just to say, a Tuffers and Vaughan podcast special on fast bowling and how you face it with Sir Curtly Ambrose and Robin Smith is available on the TMS feed to download in all the usual places. Be sure to check that out. Right now, huge match tomorrow in store at Lords. England against Australia. Ball-by-ball commentary on Test Match Special, of course. We'll be on air from 9.30 on Sports Extra and 10.15 on Radio 4 Longwave. Owen Morgan with some fascinating things to say about Steve Smith and David Warner and how the crowd should welcome them or otherwise. The England captain has been speaking to Jonathan Agnew. Right, Owen, uh, obvious question. How are you looking forward to tomorrow? Uh, really looking forward to tomorrow. I really enjoy playing against Australia. It's it's the first fixture I look for when we play in a big tournament or we have a tour down under or they're they're coming home. Um, but it is it's 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 always a special fixture and it does hold a special place in my heart. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And here at Lords as well makes it even more special. Yeah, it's it's great to be home. Uh, we've done a lot of travelling so far. Obviously, a couple more group stage games, but. Uh, to kick off things for us at the home of cricket, particularly after the defeat the other day, is is exciting. Yeah. What have you done since then, Owen? Have you sat and stewed, or have you just sort of I don't know, looked at it and put it away, or how, how have you how have you handled that? Oh, we constructively broke it down and, and talked about how we would change things if we if we went about it again, um, particularly with the chase because that's where we felt we lost the game. But we bowled really well, um, restricted to Sri Lanka to a, a definitely a chaseable total. Um, and from there on in, we only showed spurts of individual performances as opposed to a collective couple of partnerships that would have won us the game. And I think going back and, and uh, revisiting that is important because there will continue to be challenges throughout this tournament. Um, tomorrow is, is another one of them, but we do need to learn game on game in order to try and get further to the latter stages of the tournament. Um, so I think... We, uh, all of the guys are looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, people have said inevitably, "Oh, we brought the World Cup alive." I don't suppose you quite see it like that. <laughs> no, we we don't. Um, we, you know, it's it's been disappointing that we put in a performance like that. But we, we are going to lose games of cricket. The, the most important thing that we emphasise is trying to get something out of the game in order to take it forward into Australia tomorrow, and then going back to the way we play. Um, if we're allowed to play with our Plan A game with a bat and the ball, I think. 
you know, it's important that we get on the front foot and, and make that happen. Yeah, and that's the key thing, isn't it? I mean, to, to retain the confidence that, that you had and not let it be damaged by what's happened. No, absolutely. I think, you know, one reason that we, we tend to bounce back early in, in, in either series that we've played or games that we've lost is that we go back to the principle of what are we strong at and going back to emphasising our strengths for long periods of time and our strength certainly with the bat has been aggressive, positive, playing some smart cricket along the way with the ball is continuously trying to take wickets in those 50 overs and if we can maintain that mindset tomorrow I think we'll, we'll be in a good place. Yeah. The way, the way it looks, Owen, I mean, are you still doing calculations about the matches that you have to win or are you just taking each match as it comes and just aiming to win each game? No, it's aiming to win each game at the moment. We're not in a position where we have to win the three games. So if it comes to that, obviously it, it, you do look a, a little bit elsewhere, but the, the process of winning the game of cricket still just becomes the same. Well, it's interesting with Australia, isn't it? I mean, David Warner, Steve Smith, I know you had a warm-up game against, uh, against them, but you know, here in a, a game that really matters, Lords, what, what, sort of, what are you expecting from them tomorrow and how, how are you going to face up with Warner and Smith? Yeah, I'm expecting a strong performance, particularly from David. He's been in, in fantastic form throughout the tournament so far and been one of the leading run scorers. So got, uh, Australia are playing some strong cricket. Uh, we're prepared for their A game. It's, it's, it's a matter of countering that. Uh, tomorrow and, and, and hopefully getting on top. Yeah, We've seen some others coming out and saying, don't boo them, just you know, let them get on with the game. Would, would, would you repeat that or what, what's, what's your view? No, not at all. Um, sport is, is beautiful in many ways, but I think cricket is probably the romantic sport of, of all sports and I would never use the position I'm in to influence fans uh, to try and think something or, or change the game in, in some way. I think they committed something and, and, and they've served their their penalty um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're welcome back with open arms into the cricket community I think regaining trust takes a lot of time and who knows how long it will take um, but I don't think I can do anything or should do anything to influence the fans to change their mind Jason Roy, you've ruled him out, have you? Yeah, Jason went for a scan again this morning uh, it is positive news his, his um, hamstring is uh, repairing nicely um, we will play it day by day this week as to if he's available for the, the next game against India. But obviously hamstrings can be funny things. We, we, they can fly ahead and he might be available to play or he, he might not. You know, We'll just have to see how things go. Is James Vince frustrated that he hasn't taken the opportunity here? Um, I think when any professional sportsman doesn't perform, there is that feeling of, of frustration. But we have every confidence that James is, is going to produce. He's a, a fine cricketer. There's uh, a reason he's been selected in the squad is, is simply because of that. So we look forward to him hoping producing. The last one, selection-wise, what, what, what are you balancing up for tomorrow? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a little bit of a difficult one because I think it's, it's expected to rain for a few hours overnight, uh, which means um, the wicket will be on the covers. Uh, you'll have to look at how much grass is on the, on, on the wicket and... and balance your attack best both to play against Australia and what you're going to come up against with the 10.30 start That's Owen Morgan speaking to Jonathan Agnew and Jonathan joins me now from Lords Mel Farrell at ESPN Crick Info is alongside him and Ebony Rainford Brent is alongside me here in Southampton. Jonathan just to start with you, uh, how did you find Owen today? I mean he's normally very relaxed isn't he in, in those one-on-one interview situations but even he must be feeling a bit tense about tomorrow. 
Well, I think he's feeling tense about tomorrow, but actually listening to that interview, you wouldn't really think so. I mean, he was just as he usually is. I mean, I, I always, I, I think there's quite a contrast. I think May will probably talk about this in a second. It's quite a contrast sometimes with, with Owen Morgan when he's in the big press conference with everybody there. And when you just sit him down by yourself, which I'm lucky enough to do, uh, and just chat. And, uh, you know, I, I, I lobbed out the question there about, uh, about Warner and, and Smith. I wasn't quite sure how he would respond, whether he would go for the, the line that we've heard from some other captains, notably Virat Kohli, saying, look, don't boo them, that's wrong. You know, and I, and it actually took, I, I had to listen back a couple of times to be absolutely clear with what he said. But of course, as it, as it is clearly, he's saying that he's not going to influence anything. And, and you know, you, they've done what they've done. They've served their time. But they, it's up to them to restore trust. And he's certainly not going to tell the fans what, what to do. And I thought that was a very interesting answer. What was said in the press conference, Mel? Or what was his mood like in the press conference? Oh, he, he did say a sort of similar thing when pressed upon... Uh, I think because Johnny Bairstow had, had uh, made some comments about you know the crowd and what they should do, and I've read other things that other players have, have said as well. Um, Owen can be very in press conferences. He he just he knows how to pull down the shutters. Uh, it's at those times when you think I never want to play poker with this man because <laughs> he just gave away nothing. Like and it was it reminded me a bit more of actually probably Owen Morgan early on in his captaincy when he would often do that just that the stark contrast between him and and Aaron Finch I guess in the two conf in two press conferences they gave Aaron Finch you can't shut him up he's just very chatty and just basically shoots from the hip talk says whatever's there still thoughtful of course whereas Owen can be much more measured and calm and you just get the feeling you know he's just shutting it all out at the mm. moment he's very good at compartmentalizing things and I, you but you you felt if you I just said to Agus before if you knew nothing about these two sides nothing about cricket and you walked into those two press conferences you wouldn't have any doubt about which side you thought might be under more pressure mm, interesting England are under a lot of pressure, aren't they? And just uh, the, the one thing that stood out when we looked at the runner games they have to do is this, this back end, Australia, India and New Zealand. And they are in form. And uh, I just, you know, England have thrown it, uh, thrown it and put themselves back against the wall. Listening in, Owen Morgan, he's so good at just sort of sounding calm. But I, I sense that there's a little bit of nervousness under there. You know, he's always seemed calm, but I think as a unit, there's a, there's a difference within that side that they've got to nail tomorrow. Well, they've lost their control of it, haven't they? That's, that's, that's mm. the point. They've, less, they've lost the control of the group, uh, and where by, by having now these two defeats, and, and you know they've got an eye on Pakistan, they've got an eye on Bangladesh. You know, both both of those two could come up and, and actually make it very difficult for England to, to to even qualify unless they do well win two games. Maybe I mean it's it's they they really have put some pressure on themselves now. That was an absolutely stunning defeat on Friday. The, the Pakistan game. You can sort of understand how that happened. We saw Pakistan in the one-day series. They racked up big scores against England's bowling. But to lose to Sri Lanka, who are not a great side, um, I, I mean, I think this is probably the, the thinnest Sri Lankan side in terms of quality since the 1992 World Cup. And you know, talking about the, the lack of sort of busyness with the batting on, on, on Friday, it seems surprising. I wonder, just what was England's attitude going into that innings on Friday? Did they just think, oh, this is just an easy knockoff? 
I think that's what they've been discussing since, haven't they? When I said, how have you been spending the time? Uh, you know, they can go out there and, and, and bash it about, batting first. That's what they like to do, setting that big score up and so on. And they go out there and smack it around. But they just didn't in any way attack that target, did they? That was, that was, the, that was the, the problem with it all. They just lost their way completely, lost an early wicket, uh, and then lost James Vince again. And they were on the back foot. I mean, I think Joe Root's been unlucky. Uh, a little nickel down the leg side like that. But they just, you know, it was pretty wayward. Moeen's shot, Archer's shot. Mind you, it's probably a bit late by Archer. But uh, they, it, was, it, was a, it was just a sort of a muddled attempt to, to get the target, I thought. My, my frustration with this side is that we've, the one thing we've been saying over this four-year period is how deep this side bat. That's been the biggest strength for England. You know, they bat down to 10 easily. And and so, so when you get to these these sort of games where you sometimes have to scrap over the line, that's when that strength needs to come out. And I just That shot from Owen Alley frustrated me, like you say, Joffre Archer, but that's where you needed just a little bit of, uh, I guess, game now or intelligence to, to come in uh, fair enough you know there are going to be scratchy games I think we've looked throughout this tournament New Zealand have had to scratch a couple of wins Australia have had to get out of holes England should have gotten out of the hole that happened because of that depth so that's that's sort of the biggest concern for me is just is that going to fire when it's needed well I was just going to say on that I, I mean it's almost beyond a question of depth I think the whole thing about the New England that came along and emerged out of the last World Cup the the big question has always been, is this style of play that they have embraced that I have loved and it's exhilarating, it's wonderful, it's rejuvenated the format, I think, in so many ways, but is it the, the type of play that can be successful in a tournament like this? And that rather than in a, you know, five ODI bilateral matters. series mm, yes. where, you know what, you lose a couple of games, who cares? Mm. If Moeen Ali gets out like that when you're playing in a five test, in a five ODI series against New Zealand, and no one's, you know, that's fine. They just put it aside. And so that's always kind of been the big question for me in, in how does it work in a tournament that's what I've got like the show this. tomorrow for me I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, they talk about playing the same way plan A as they call it well that's fine but let's see if you can do it because now it, it, it does it does really matter and it starts to bite have you got the confidence to come out and play as they have these last four years when losing really matters and that, that, that's going to be interesting to see over these next, uh, these next three games that they have yeah, yeah. No, I, look I think that Sri Lanka should be given a, 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 quite a bit yeah, of credit well. because they, yep. they did bowl well and mm. like I saw things like when they played Australia they gave Australia a scare when they got off to that really brilliant start mm. with the bat. Um, and, you know, essentially, it's, Malinga's just... Uh, he's, an, he's an ace in the pack yes. that you, whenever it fires, it, it does. So, uh, I mean, I do think that, that Sri Lanka... Maybe, maybe they had that game in them somewhere. Uh, there was always going to be there. One thing I've noticed uh, with this England side uh, recently is when push comes to shove, when they're under pressure chasing on the chase they have struggled so what do they do tomorrow if they win the toss now we've got this ticklish one now actually owen <laughs> alluded to it in his, his interview with you jonathan this, mm. this ticklish problem how you how to balance the team as well that if we do get these storms overnight that your inclination would be to bat first tomorrow because i, I think this has been a bat first world cup and putting them put the pressure on the side on the chase but what do you do tomorrow if it's overcast and dank and you know, yeah. do, you, do you win the really toss and bat I mean, or do you, the, you know, the, the do you bat second? forecast um, Suggests that it should be that it should clear away. I mean, that's that's the hope that it should clear really quite early in the morning. I and mean, Heathrow is saying that the showers should be gone by about six o'clock probably in the morning. 
So that does still leave the, the residue. It, I mean, it, it, it's actually under covers now. It, it, it is a fresh pitch. So the one that we were here for yesterday is, is a couple of strips away. So it is a fresh pitch, which is good. Uh, it did have some grass on it yesterday. They're taking some of that off it today. But being two or three strips down to the left, it does mean there's a short boundary now into the mound and the tavern stands. And, and, and that also brings into a question for, for, uh, for, for, for Owen Morgan as, as to what balance he has. Does it bring Plunkett back? Uh, or does he persist with mowing? Uh, does he play two spinners or does he play an extra Seamo? That, that's, that's going to be interesting because if they're going to bowl the two spinners in tandem, uh, that is a short hit, whichever way round you're going at it, um, in, into that, uh, in, that left-hand side as, as, as we see it now. So that, that is definitely something that they're going to have to consider uh, as well. And I mean, I've seen Australia a couple of times, uh, three maybe in this World Cup so far. They haven't played the short ball very well. Um, and certainly West Indies roughed them up and whether they consider that that's going to be an option here but again it's, it brings that short boundary to play so it's, it's, it, it's not a straightforward selection for me um, but it, it is at least a fresh pitch which means that if you are batting second uh, the one yesterday got really quite slow again as, as tended to have been the case because of all the rain that has been around the ground has, hasn't, hasn't rolled these pitches enough hasn't been able to uh, at least it means that batting second shouldn't be too much of a disadvantage Mel, what do Australia do with their team makeup? Well, actually, Aaron Finch echoed what, Mo, what um, Owen Morgan said pretty much about the, the fact that it did look um, like, a, you know, it looked a little bit green perhaps. And, and, you know, he talked about maybe that they might look at, at their bowling options. Maybe they might play an extra seamer. So, I, I mean, I don't know. The question we've been asking all the way through this tournament is do Australia actually know what their best 11 mm. is? And, and Brad Haddad admitted it um, in Nottingham, no. Well, no, I think it was at the Oval. He admitted, um, no, I don't think we do. And, and Aaron Finch has kind of ad admitted that as well, whereas Justin Langer has kind of bristled when he's been asked about it. So much depends on the, the link man, you know, in there in, in um, Marcus Stoinis. But just what they've, they've put outside, and you're right, against the short ball, Usman Khawaja in particular yeah. looked, looked particularly vulnerable against the short ball until he made runs in that last one. They've got a team, a batting lineup that's strong on openers, and and then they've they've sort of tried to... I explain, it's like when you go to a, a breakfast buffet and you overindulge and then you put your skinny pants on. You know, you can make them fit, you can get the buttons done up, but it just feels a bit uncomfortable when right? you sit down. You know how it is. You just is. give me some life advice, Mel, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, skinny been, pants. <laughs> they've been trying to um, sort of stuff this sort of side in and around. Uh, and, and part of that is because of the absence of, of Warner and Smith in the past year and what they've had to do in the meantime. And yet, they've been able to scrap and scrape their way yeah. through games. David Warner has admittedly not been fluent. He's scored two of his slowest 50s, and yet he's still up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it got 200s. So that's that scrapping nature that I feel can give Australia an advantage at times. And also, they can play with a bit of freedom in this game. The pressure is not so much mm. on them. The pressure is really on England. Yes, well, I mean, if, if they, they win, they, they're well through, aren't they? Um, so you're right. I mean, they're, they're through already. Um, yeah, it, it is all for England to do. And, um, you know, we go back to that point that we were making. You know, it's all very well to go out and thrash the ball around, smack it here and there, um, it, when you, you can come back on Wednesday and play the same team again if, you, if it doesn't go right. That's how they've got to the top in the world. It's how they've become favourites to win the World Cup. But there's always been, as Mel absolutely quite rightly has said, can you really play like that? Have you got the guts, the bottle to do it? 
uh, and actually do it successfully when defeat could mean that you're going to be out of the World Cup and, or, or lose a semi-final or, or, or whatever. You know, it, 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 it has always come down to, to that question of confidence. And that's what we're going to see. It'll, it'll be fascinating. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I thought out of that interview with Owen Morgan, I thought he sounded actually very determined. You know, I, I think he, uh, he didn't sound in any way that he's the sort of person that is going to panic. Um, and I think he is clearly somebody, I mean, you watch him in the field. He absorbs pressure. I mean, you compare him to Virat Kohli. Uh, you know, it is the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? I mean, Morgan just seems to be that sort of person who actually as a player when you're under pressure and a team under pressure, you actually want a Morgan rather than a Kohli, in my view, but you want someone who is calm. You want someone who is making rational decisions, isn't flustered, isn't shouting, uh, and just knows exactly what he wants to do. He, he, he might be churning inside a bit, um, I'm sure he is, but actually when, what, what, the, you know, what you see of your captain there is somebody who looks totally in control of the situation, and that's what you want to see as a player when you know that you're up against it. I think these are these two captains too are, for just for me are probably the two best captains tactically mm. in this tournament. Yep. They both are very calm in very different ways, but tactically they they're also just uh, I don't know, they seem to bring on bowlers at the right point. They don't seem to be chasing the games like some other captains, even like Coley sometimes yeah. seems to do. One thing that's re I'm really excited about is fast bowling in this tournament. I don't think anyone expected the, the fast bowlers to be as much of a threat. You know, it's been dominated by spin over this last four-year cycle. And when you look at who were the, in the top wicket takers in this, <laughs> four names that stand out, uh, Archer and Wood for England and Stark and Cummings. I, mm. I think tomorrow is just going to be a fun kind of expressive who is going to show that kind of venom. The, the fast bowlers have done it. I think all of these bowlers are fabulous, but under the pressure when it really counts, are we going to see these guys really rise? Is that that, that uh, sort of speedometer going to be breaking tomorrow? I think it could. I really think it could because there, there is that. And I think right now tonight with all of this on it, the build up, the pressure, uh, that's where I want to see who is really going to stand up in a World Cup. I think that's a, re a really good point. What I would say, having seen Australia two or three times, and Mel not, might not like me for saying this, I don't think Australia's backup bowling is up to much. No, you know, it, it, it depends a lot on Stoinis. Uh, he, he can go around the. You know, they, they've got you know, Coulton Nile, he can go around the park. Zampa, the wrist spinner, you don't know what you're going to get really from, from him. Whereas I think England's <laughs> backup bowling is, 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 is beyond doubt much stronger than Australia's. Um, but we know that, you know, and, and, and their bowling wasn't the issue in their defeat against Sri Lanka. Far from it. It was it was the batting, and, and that's what they've got to get right here tomorrow. From BBC Radio 5 Live, this is the TMS podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Right, thanks to Jonathan, to Mel and to Ebony. Can't wait for that one. Highlights as they happen via the BBC Sport website and app. There'll also be live text to accompany our ball-by-ball -ball radio commentary. We mentioned David Warner in our chat there. 447 runs at an average of over 89 so far this tournament. Absolutely a key man to get early. So how will England be plotting to do that? Here's their former assistant coach, Paul Farbrace. Well, David Warner is one of those guys that likes to hit boundaries when he first comes in. He wants to get on top of the bowlers and dominate the ball when he first comes in. He, he's the sort of guy that I think if you can get the ball going across him early in his innings, so you're looking to land the ball sort of around middle and leg stump line to him and get the ball going across, I think you've always got a chance of nicking him off. That That's a, a plan that a lot of teams around the world have used successfully against him. So you, you try and make sure, as I say, middle and leg, get the ball going angled across and your keeper and your slip are always in the game then. And then if, if you do get that line and you can get a little bit of shape back into him, you, you've also got the chance of LBW 
AEW. But nick him off early on, I think, is the way that most teams would look to get him out. And again, once he's got going, mm. how do you then try and either get him out or slow him down? Well, I, I think he's a big ego player and he looks to hit boundaries. He loves to dominate. And once he gets in, I think, again, you've got to dry him up and, and make him hit the ball where he doesn't want to. You, you know, you've probably got to bowl wide and full at him so that he can only really score through the offside, only sort of score between third man and extra cover. Once you allow him to score all round the wicket. So if you try and bowl a line of just outside off stump to him, he, he can hit both sides of the pitch. He's very good at that. He's also, we know he cuts and pulls very well. So you're looking really to get at the ball as full as possible and make him hit through the offside and limit his scoring areas. And the more you can do that, and the more you stifle him, and the more you keep him away from strike, as I say, he, he is an ego player. You know, he, he's a very dominant player. He's a fantastic player when he's in and going well. So you've got to make sure that you're dominating and dictating where he can score his runs. And if you can do that, you then have a chance of forcing error and getting him out. Well, that was Paul Farbrae speaking to Tim Beach. Right then, let's switch our focus back to Bangladesh's win against Afghanistan here at Southampton by 62 runs, a professional, efficient performance. Rushan Alam from the Doosra podcast is with me and Niall O'Brien is here as well. Now, first things first, why on earth did Afghanistan put Bangladesh in when they won the toss. Well, total terrible start today. Really just a bad decision and a lot of experience in the camp there. Phil Simmons, head coach, well, obviously he thought he's read the wicket differently than we have because he used pitch that was slow at the weekend against India. Only going to get slower, only going to get more and more difficult. So Afghanistan's strength is their spin bowling. Get runs on the board. Even 220 would have been a challenge for Bangladesh with Nabi, Rashid Khan and Mujib. I don't understand it. It was a mistake and it's cost them the match. Yeah, I agree. I think um, they were clearly playing to their strengths. They must have thought, well, you know, let's restrict Bangladesh here and then give a chase a go after nearly doing it against India. So I can understand where their mindset might have been, um, but in the end, didn't pay off at all. Well, I don't think that they nearly did beat India, to be honest with you. You know, I was, it always, to me, looked like they were behind the eight ball in that game and Ramachar and Shahidi played so slowly, very negative batting strike rate way too low on a run chase and they left too much for Navi to do at the back end so I don't really actually buy into the fact that they nearly beat India I don't think they did at all and I think they made a really bad mistake at 10 o'clock this morning that in the end has cost them the game yeah, I think it's one they'll certainly regret, especially if, if, if bowling is Afghanistan's strength, then they should have known that batting was absolutely Bangladesh's uh, and so putting in the team in form like Bangladesh was a massive risk so Bangladesh, Rushan seven points England, eight points. Are you beginning to dream? Yeah, I think the dream sort of n- has never gone away, if I'm honest, and it won't go away until the final ball against Pakistan at Lords. Bangladesh are still mathematically in it. These, these players still have something to play for, and I think that's a good thing to keep the motivation up. It keeps the World Cup alive, and I think, I think we've got two games to go which Bangladesh could win. Bangladesh have India to play. They've beaten them five times out of 34 matches. They've got Pakistan to play. They've beaten them five times out of 36 matches. They've actually beaten Pakistan the last four times they've played them. And that one win right at the start of their um, international careers, if you like, back in 1999, Northampton, that famous World Cup victory. So those are the two games that Bangladesh have got to play. India and Pakistan, I mean, what chance? 
Well, I think with India in particular, Bangladesh have come close a number of times. They played them in the Asia Cup final last year. They lost on the last ball. So if all of those losses, those last ball wins uh, have all been character building towards a win in the World Cup, I think Bangladesh fans and the team will go, well, that was worth it. And as for Pakistan, they are underperforming at this World Cup. Bangladesh beat them convincingly at the Asia Cup last year. They'll have a lot of confidence going to both of those games. As a neutral, Niall, do you see Bangladesh being good enough to beat India and Pakistan? They might only need to beat one of them. Well, but can I, you can see them winning, them? I can see them beating Pakistan. I can't see them beating India. Not not at the World Cup. I just can't see it. Might be proven wrong. They are playing well. They're playing good cricket. What I like about Bangladesh, they're very well run. Their senior players are standing up. Shakib, Mushfiq, Mortaza might not be getting a lot of wickets, but he's leading the side well from a captaincy point of view. They've got a great infrastructure behind them. Steve Rhodes, Neil McKenzie, Courtney Walsh, superb coaching, and they've got brilliant support. So, um, you know, whether they get two wins or not, whether they get one win or no wins, I think it's been a good campaign so far for... Bangladesh. It's certainly been a very good campaign for Shakib Al Hassan. 51 today. At the moment, he's the competition's leading run scorer, and oh, he chipped in with five for 29 as well. Yeah, he is the world's number one all-rounder, and I think um, the batting's been brilliant. So it was great to see him uh, contribute with the ball a lot. I mean, he's been taking wickets here and there, but to take a headline performance with the five-wicket haul today was just a, just a reminder to the rest of the world: going, no, no, guys, I can I can do all both. But he was player of the match, and afterwards he spoke to Harsha Bogle. Right, Shakib, come along. Look at the, look at this crowd. It must be fun playing in front of them. Yes, uh, it's been uh, great uh, throughout this uh, World Cup. Uh, they have been supporting us, you know, from the first game, and uh, luckily we started well. So they are behind us, you know, all the games. So hopefully, two more games, and they will be supporting the way they are supporting now. Now, only the second player ever to score a 50 and take five wickets in a World Cup game. What gave you greater pleasure today? I think uh, five wickets, uh, it was important, uh, but having said that, you know, I, th- I had to work really hard for my 50 runs. Uh, I thought Mushfiq played brilliant uh, knock. Uh, without him, I think we wouldn't have got the run we got. And the little little innings like Tamim and Mosadek and Mahmoudullah, the way they contributed, I thought it was terrific. Overall, I thought it was a team effort uh, in the bat. I thought we knew that it's going to be tough with the three spinners, you know, they have got quality spinners in Afghanistan team, so we had to bet really uh, well to get those runs we got. Everything you touch is turning to gold. Is it just moving up the order? Is it that you're batting differently? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I, I did work really hard. Uh, uh, before the start of the World Cup, uh, I was uh, well prepared. The best I could ever be prepared for a uh, tournament. And it's paying off. So you, you can say, uh, you know, combination of hard work and luck. And you want this form to continue for what another couple of games, and who knows after that? Yeah, definitely. You know, two more uh, important match coming up for us: uh, India and Pakistan, uh, two big teams. We have to play, you know, to best of our ability to win matches. But uh, you know, this match will give us a lot of confidence. Well, that's Bangladesh. Let's have a look at Afghanistan. Mm. We, we've discussed their decision to put Bangladesh into bat. They've played seven and lost seven. There was a bizarre incident at the end of the game. With Shinwari, <laughs> 49 not out. Mujib was on strike. He had a huge slog and missed it, and he was bold. And Shinwari, at the non-striker's end, threw his bat down <laughs> in disgust. I mean, it seemed as if because he'd been denied a half century. If he was on 99, yeah. you could sort of understand it, but yeah. he was on 49. It was a strange one. He went down the ball before, 
to Mujib and said, just literally just play a forward defence. And Mujib obviously just didn't listen to him. He tried to hike one into the into the Shane Warne stand, as it were. But uh, yeah, Shinwari, 49 not out. Whether you get 50 not out or 49 makes no ends, really, to be fair. He actually played quite well, Shinwari. He, he came out, first ball reverse sweep to Shaki when he'd already had two wickets in the over. Showed some intent, shows a bit of positive energy, ran well. Actually showed what Hashimatullah Shahidi and Ashkar Afghan didn't have any kind of intent because those two batsmen derailed the Afghanistan innings totally after a good first 10. Yeah, I sympathise for him because um, in games like this, your stats, you never remember how many 49s someone got in a career, do you? <laughs> Whereas a half century would have counted towards something. And at this stage in their careers, the Afghan players are very emotional. When they play in Asia against Bangladesh, you can tell like the kind of emotions run high and there's a lot of kind of getting upset and reacting emotionally on the pitch. And that's what we saw a little bit of today. And that's going to change with uh, with experience. It's something you see every every Saturday morning down on Clapham <laughs> Common and all this under 13s and some kid throwing his toys out of the pram as he gets run out by his mate so uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't great let's be honest but uh, 49 that out well he's got a World Cup half century he made 96 in Afghanistan's win against Scotland their only World Cup win uh, four years ago in, in Dunedin so he has done it before it's not as if it would have been a first for him no true <laughs> I think Afghanistan they're batting you know started tournament it was Zazai opening with Shazad a left-hand clobber and a right-hand smacker mm. that could take an attack on and put Afghanistan in position after a power play or if they can eke out 15 overs, they could be in a great position. They've almost gone full circle now. They're, they're opening with kind of technically sound batsman Ramat Shah, who is their best player, should be batting at number three probably. Shazad's gone home. Zazai's had starts and he's been dropped. So in a game like this, 260-odd, you know, if Zazai gets... Has a good half an hour, a good 40 minutes, and gets 30 or 40. Could make a bit of a difference. I think there's been chopping and changing a lot on the Afghanistan side, which doesn't help. They remind me a lot of um, sort of early Bangladesh, like the 2003 World Cup, where we had a couple of good players, some sort of talent through the team, but not the experience of playing abroad, not the experience of playing in tournaments. And that's all going to come. I think there's a lot of goodwill for Afghanistan, but it is easy for their expectation because of the passion and the goodwill we have for them to, to exceed where their actual ability is. Well, I've been disappointed, to be honest with you. I've been disappointed with them this tournament with the bat really you know when they they weren't going to chase close to 400 against England but they never tried you know and I thought that was disappointing they had a elongated net as you know a centre wicket practice by the look of it and that you know I think cricket's gone past that batting out the overs I think we're past that stage I would have rather seen them against England have a go and get bowled there for 232 overs what difference does it make it was a bit of a it was a waste of an afternoon after Owen Morgan's kind of pyrotechnics everyone might as well just went home and let Afghanistan had a net it's been a bizarre World Cup for Afghanistan and the, the story might eventually be told there's clearly something going on behind the scenes and yet on Saturday they were so close they were quite close actually to taking down India it was 11 runs I, I agree with you Niall in that I'd, I'd never for one moment thought they were going to win but if Nabi's shot down the ground had gone for six and just needed that extra club then suddenly it would have been six to win off four balls and that was on so that's sort of how close they got although India sort of controlled that Afghanistan run chase superbly I thought but I think one of the problems for Afghanistan coming into the World Cup is probably they were sort of uh, sort of over-touted as a team I think yeah. we expected quite a lot from them more than yeah. they were capable of delivering we'd seen uh, players like Rashid Khan and Majib playing the Big Bash and you know various T20 tournaments we thought they, they could actually cause some problems but they haven't got that, that all-round team talent 
completely. It's a really good comparison, actually, Afghanistan to Bangladesh and the kind of expectations both teams had. Afghanistan came into this tournament with very little experience playing in, in England, a lot playing in Asia, a lot playing in the subcontinent, whereas Bangladesh, by comparison, had spent the last two years doing the homework and practicing the things they were going to face here. They had experience against a short ball. They learned how to deal with pace and swing. And they've come to this World Cup prepared. And that's all stuff that Afghanistan is going to have to take on board as a learning curve. Okay, Afghanistan played seven and lost seven. For Bangladesh, it is seven points and hope in this tournament. Thanks very much, Rishan and Niall. Available every day during the Cricket World Cup. This is the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. Right, Andy Zaltzman is with me to go through some of your emails. But first... The stats, Andy. What can you tell us from today? Well, there were some pretty impressive Shakib Al Hassan stats. He became the first player ever to make two centuries and take a fifer in a World Cup. Only two other players had one century and a fifer. Those were Kapil Dev in 1983 and Yuvraj Singh in 2011. Also, the second player after Yuvraj to have a 50 and a fifer in the same World Cup match. Yuvraj did it against Ireland in uh, 2011 in Bangalore. Uh, Mushfika Rahim the second player in World Cup history to have two stumpings and a 50 in the same game to tend a Taibu of Zimbabwe against Canada in 2011 was the other example of that. And this was uh, passed on to us by Maza Arshad, the uh, statistical wizard, who's uh, noticed that since the last World Cup, there have been 250 wins in ODI cricket for the team batting first and 250 wins for the team batting second. Well, that is amazing, isn't yeah. it? Everyone says, oh, bat second in ODI cricket. Well, actually, this World Cup, though, it's been about batting first and, well, who knows well, how important that will be at Lords when England take on Australia. Now, let's go through some of your emails and we're still on that hunt to find someone listening in every single country of the world. Here's Ross Old, just listening to the Sunday podcast and heard you needed a Tunisian listener. Well, here I am. And I guess these don't help much for your current country conquest, but I've also listened to TMS over the years in Afghanistan, Iraq, Mali, Malawi, Nigeria, Niger, Djibouti and Uganda. We're getting towards the end of the World Cup, so we might just have to (laughs) let those go in under the drawbridge. This comes from Raj. It says, I'm currently in Kenya and listening from Masai Mara since someone wrote in from the demilitarized zone and wanted you to consider that as North Korea. I would like to submit that Somalia should be considered as well as we flew over Somalia en route to Nairobi and I listened to the podcast when over Somalian airspace. Well, I think that counts, don't you? We are, we are getting a little bit desperate in our we search are, for all the countries. In a tournament with so many sixes, listening to something whilst in mid-air seems entirely appropriate. Matthew Church writes, I'm only listening in Aberdeen in West Scotland, so not able to help you out with your list of far-flung countries. Why am I reading this email out then? I've been very tempted to travel to one, but I don't want to miss too much of the cricket. I can, however, help Andy out with what a spool piece is. Simply put, it's the connection between a pipeline on the seabed to a subsea structure, such as an oil well or a platform. I've been looking at many of them over the past few weeks as I've been organising the video from divers working on some. Whilst being in an office rather than on a survey ship is unusual for me, it does make listening to TMS much easier. Uh, we had an email yesterday from someone mentioning spool pieces, and um, neither I nor Agas not being massively up to date with the latest in subsea spooling technology. Didn't quite know... Uh, what it was, but yeah, the video from divers working on sport, I can't wait to, for that to hit the shops. That is going to be the must-have Christmas DVD <laughs> of the year, isn't it? 
bit of spool piece action. Tom Garside writes, I can heed your request and help you tick off Swaziland, officially now known as the Kingdom of Eswatini. As a Brit living in Johannesburg, this has been a fairly painless World Cup so far, given the ability of the locals here to have any bragging rights due to South Africa's ignominious performances. I've always wondered with sport and bragging rights, you never hear about bragging rights in any other area of life. So I mean, I mean, you you cover various various sports as well as well as I mean, are, brag, are bragging rights legally enforceable? Uh, well, you have them after football matches, don't you? Apparently, right. bragging rights after local derbies. But uh, yeah, but you, you need. To, I think you just if you win, I think you need to be magnanimous, don't you? Exactly. There's not just bragging rights. There's bragging responsibilities Absolutely. as well, aren't there? Let's yeah. all grow up about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Tom continues, I've been listening to the podcast regularly in South Africa and on a recent trip to the coast in southern Mozambique, you helped pass the time during the hours of driving. This included while returning through Eswatini for a night stop in Manblanyatsi, just south of the administrative capital Mbambane. <laughs> oh, it's always good to practice these things. I hope this helped you tick off another country and apologies for the pronunciation conundrums. I don't think your apologies are accepted by Andy Zaltzman. <laughs> Thanks very much, Andy. Another World Cup day comes to an end. It's an excellent day for Bangladesh. What does the latest day in the World Cup hold? It's England against Australia at Lords. Really big match and a lot resting on it for England. Join us for the Test Match special commentary and all the coverage across the BBC as England look to make it win number five in this World Cup against the old enemy. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. The TMS podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Download and subscribe via the BBC Sounds app for a new episode every day.